It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks again for making Locked On Yankees your first listen every day. We're free and available on all platforms. On today's show, it's Walk Off Wednesday. And we're going to discuss a game that I actually brought up in our last Walk Off Wednesday, because why not? It's always fun to talk about the Yankees and the Red Sox, especially when the Yankees are the ones to walk off against the Red Sox. Plus, we have sad news about Gerald Williams and interesting comments from Bob Clappish about Garrett Cole that I'll get into all unlocked on Yankees. You are locked on Yankees, your daily New York Yankees podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone. This is Stacey Gotsoulias. Welcome to Locked On Yankees. It is Wednesday, February 9th. Hope you're all having a good February so far. There are things to discuss. Tomorrow's show will be Abby and myself reacting to whatever it is that Rob Manfred is going to say. He's supposed to be speaking to the media, making an announcement. There are things happening. The players met today. Garrett Cole tweeted about it. He said that over 100 players met in Arizona. So they're all for trying to get the season to start, which kind of feels like a dig at the owners and... Going by what the owners have done so far, I don't blame the players for digging at them. So, yeah. And we'll get into Garrett Cole in a second. But first, you can listen to us in Apple Podcasts, Odyssey, Google, Spotify, Stitcher. You can subscribe to us on YouTube. Please do so. Thank you. And if you have a smart device, you can tell it to play podcast Locked on Yankees. I didn't see the full article. I just saw a tweet. Apparently, Bob Clappish and Brendan Cuddy were having like a round table sort of thing about the Yankees. And there was a comment by Clappish that upset me. Now, if you've, <laughs> if you've listened to the show, if you've watched the show, you know that I discussed an article that Clappish came out with months ago, had to do with Joey Gallo, which led to Joey Gallo quote tweeting me. And it was scary because I didn't want Joey Gallo to think that I was agreeing with Bob Clappish because I was not agreeing with Bob Clappish at all. I hardly ever agree with Bob Clappish on most things. So this is what he said. It was about Garrett Cole. And I, I just, I don't understand this. And I would expect, I would expect a Yankee fan to say this, not a writer. But he said, was he hurt or not hurt? He was hurt on the days he wasn't pitching well, but, but was healthy on the days he did pitch well? That's the mystery here. Then Cuddy said, did the sticky stuff or lack of sick, sticky stuff bother him on the days that he didn't pitch well? In Boston, when it was chilly and dry on the field in the wild card game, or was the problem the hamstring? Was it the lack of sticky stuff? Or was it just not having your best stuff at the worst possible time? And Cuddy said, maybe it was all three. I don't like the implication here. We know that Garrett Cole was struggling with his hamstring. You have to be blind, and I'm blind in one eye, um, to not have noticed that his hamstring made him hamstrung oh, for the better half of the last half of the season. No, after his injury. I am in full belief that he was more hurt than he let on. And, you know, when you're Garrett Cole and that player, that kind of player with that caliber of pedigree and contract, 
you feel forced to play. And I know that, you know, he did go on the IL, but you feel the pressure to perform. This goes back to the days when guys were taking things to help them recover faster in order to play. It wasn't just because steroids and all that stuff was helping them hit better, or HG, HGH, but it was helping them recover better. That was Andy Pettit's excuse when he got caught with the HGH, but there is some truth to it. And I feel like a lot of these guys who have these big contracts feel the pressure to play even though they don't feel well enough to play. And his hamstring definitely gave him problems. But I don't like that a writer is basically saying that Garrett Cole's lying. That's not cool. That's not cool at all, actually. And, I mean, I don't expect less from Clappish. He's written other stuff and said other things. Like I said, the Joey Gallo thing, he was making fun of how he gets dressed. He even made fun of Garrett Cole in that article because Garrett Cole got pissed at Brett Gardner making fun of him for the sticky stuff ban. And I just, I don't know. I, I think it's unnecessary. And like, why would you do that? Um, oh, speaking of writing, Ken Davidoff announced that he is moving on to a new endeavor after writing about baseball for 28 years. So his last day with the post is February 28th. So good luck to Ken. He follows me on Twitter for some reason. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> he seems like a good guy. So yeah, good luck to you and everything that you're doing in your next endeavor. Oh, it was also announced in more media news. I don't know how this is going to work. Chris Russo is going to be on First Take. I think they said once a week to debate Stephen A. Smith. Now, that's going to be a lot of yelling. That's a lot of yelling. There's enough yelling when Russo has his own show. But a show with Russo and Stephen A. Smith debating each other, even if it's just a segment, and even if it's just one day a week, you won't even need to turn your TV on because you'll be able to hear it from space with the way those two yell. So, I don't know. Just all this stuff. The more things change, the more things stay the same and the same people get the same jobs. And it's just, I just don't understand how Chris Russo has a job. Let me tell you a quick story about Chris Russo. Has to do with me and my dad. When I first got out of college, I would commute into the city with my father. We would drive down together, drive home together. One night we were driving home on the Palisades Parkway and Chris Russo was doing a live read. You've seen me do live reads and heard me do live reads on this show. You know how we have to do that sort of thing. They do it in radio. We do it in podcasts. He did a live read for Reuters, but he called it Reuters because he can't pronounce anything correctly. Now, that's not the bad part. The bad part is this live read occurred as my dad was driving on the Palisades Parkway. And if you're from southern New York, northern New Jersey... And I tell you where we were on the Palisades Parkway, you'll know that I could have been killed. It was the hill <laughs> that goes from the very top of New Jersey into southern Rockland County. So exit four, that very steep hill. My dad started laughing so hard when Chris Russo said Reuters instead of Reuters that I had to grab onto the steering wheel and steer the car because Gus was laughing too hard to drive. So from that day forward, this was 1999, I have disliked Chris Russo because he nearly got me killed on the Palisades Parkway. And I don't understand how this man has a job. 
I don't. You're supposed to have a good voice on radio. He does not. No offense, but he does not. He can't pronounce things correctly, which I already said, but it's true. Remember? That's not how you say that word, Chris. It's not how you say it. Anyway. Yeah, Chris Russo and Stephen A. Smith on a show together. Good Lord. Now, speaking of live reads, <laughs> what a segue. No, I'm just kidding. Um, this is the time of year when I've pretty much given up on New Year's resolutions. Usually, but this year, I'm sticking to my resolution to eat right, thanks to Built Bar. It almost feels like it's not really a resolution because I do enjoy eating them. I'm not lying. I love the mint brownie bar so much I could eat it three times a day. And have you tried their puffs? If you haven't, you're missing out on one of the best tasting bars that Built Bar puts out. Puffs are the first ever protein infused marshmallow. They're fluffy. They're marshmallowy. They're not just a protein bar. They're a treat. And they're covered in 100% chocolate. All Built Bars are 100%, sorry, all Built Bars are covered in 100% chocolate. That includes all the puffs. They're low calorie, high protein, and replace your candy bars with these. They're better. A typical candy bar can be anywhere from 200 to 300 calories. Go to Built.com and scroll down to the macros chart and you'll be blown away. High protein, low calorie, high fiber, low carb. It's my Monday today. Most Built Bars contain 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. Again, compare that to a candy bar, which usually has around 240 calories, 30 grams of sugar. I say it every live read. I can't even imagine 30 grams of sugar. Mint brownie, coconut, coconut almond, and new for this month, white chocolate cookies and cream. They're all delicious, and new flavors are coming out all the time. If they think a flavor might be good, they'll make it. It'll be delicious, and it'll be good for you. At Built Bar, they're all about the taste. They make it taste delicious first, then figure out how to make it healthy. And I don't know how, but they pull it off every time. Go to Built.com, use our promo code LOCKED15, you'll get 15% off your order. Again, use our promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. I mean, it's just unbelievable how good Built Bar is. I, I can't even explain to you how good it is. Anyway, it's super weak. And it's brought to you by Get Upside. And there's no better place to get coverage of the big game than on the Locked On NFL podcast, Locked On Bengals, and Locked On Rams. And they're all in L.A. And they're all covering the big game. How cool is that? We even have one of those, um, well, it looks like a step and repeat. Do you know what a step and repeat is? The, um, the piece of vinyl that goes behind people when they're at movie premieres and it has all different logos. We have one of those at the setup for the Super Bowl. I saw it over the weekend. It's pretty cool. So yeah, tune into uh, Locked On NFL, Locked On Bengals, and Locked On Rams to find out everything you need to know about the Super Bowl. Um, before we get into Walk Off Wednesday, let's mention Gerald Williams. The news came out yesterday that he passed away from cancer at the age of 55. I cried. I'll admit it. I cried because that's just, ugh. And he was at Derek Jeter's Hall of Fame induction only, what was that, six months ago? And he was a big influence on Jeter. I mean, honestly, I know that Derek Jeter's parents were a big influence on him and that he sh they shaped him into the person that he was. But Gerald Williams really helped Jeter out when he first got up to the Yankees. He stopped the other guys from bullying him, took him under his wing, and they were best friends until the end. And I just, I'm so sad for everyone. I'm sad for Gerald Williams' family, his friends, and... 
everyone who played with him. He saved Dwight Gooden's no-hitter. He was playing center field that night. He made a really great play. And um, yeah, he's one of those guys that people forget his impact. And I think his impact, like I said, really was with Derek Jeter. I don't think Derek Jeter would be... I think he would be the player that he was. But I feel like Gerald Williams had a part in that along with his family. So rest in peace to Gerald Williams and my condolences to his family and his friends. So let's get into walk-off Wednesday. As I mentioned, this is a game that I mentioned in my last walk-off Wednesday episode because I was talking about another Yankees-Red Sox game that was a walk-off for the Yankees in 2009. This one is 2010, May 17th. It's funny, too, because when I was looking this up, I had June 17th in my head, and I think the Yankees were playing, they playing Baltimore in June? And I thought, wait a minute, what, what, what did I do? What's wrong with the, how did I get this date wrong? Because I usually remember all of these dates correctly. So, <laughs> Yankees, Red Sox, Monday, May 17th, 2010, at Yankee Stadium. The start time was 7.10. The attendance was 48,271 because, of course, it was the Yankees-Red Sox game. And even on a Monday night, it was going to be sold out. So, Red Sox lineup. Marco Scudero, shortstop. Dustin Pedroia at second base. J.D. Drew, right field. Kevin Euclid, first base. Victor Martinez, catcher. David Ortiz, D.H. Adrian Beltre, third base. Jeremy Hermida, left field. Darnell McDonald, Actually played center and left, but he started in center. And Daisuke Matsuzaka was the starting pitcher for the Yankees. Derek Jeter, Brett Gardner, Mark Teixeira, A-Rod, Robinson Cano, Francisco Cervelli, Marcus Timms, Randy Wynn. <laughs> I saw Randy Wynn hit a home run against Baltimore in 2010, in May of 2010. Ramiro Pena at third base. Phil Hughes was your starter. Even that's hilarious. Now, Phil Hughes was good in 2010. He had a very good season in 2010. I saw him pitch that shutout against the Twins to sweep the division series. So, yeah, that was that was like his his zenith as a player. Let's go into Oh, let's go into the umpires. You know I love that. Mark Carlson was at home. Angel Campos at first, Jeff Nelson at second. Larry Vanover at third base. It was 67 when the game started. The wind was nine miles an hour right to left. This ended up being a high-scoring game. So the top of the first was 1-2-3 for Hughes. The Yankees had some fun against Dice K. Matsuzaka in the bottom of the first. <laughs> Actually, they had a lot of fun. Jeter and Gardner hit back-to-back -back singles. Mark Teixeira walked which loaded the bases. A-Rod hit a single, scored Jeter and Gardner. Teixeira made it to third. Good for you, Teixeira, making it to third on a single. <laughs> Do you remember how he ran? He ran like a cartoon character. Robinson Cano followed that up with a single. Teixeira made it home. A-Rod made it to second. Francisco Cervelli hit a double that scored A-Rod. Now Cano was out at home. Cervelli made it to third. On that throw. And then Marcus Timms hit a sack fly to score Cervelli. And Randy Wynn struck out. So five runs on five hits. No one was left on base. It was 5 nothing Yankees. So this shouldn't have been... This shouldn't have ended up being a walk-off for the Yankees. They should have just killed the Red Sox. But yeah, it's Yankees-Red Sox. So of course that didn't happen. In the top of the second, the Red Sox scored a run. 
Euclid hit a single. Victor Martinez hit a fly ball out to short right center. While David Ortiz was up, Hughes threw a wild pitch that advanced Euclid to second. David Ortiz hit a fly ball to left that didn't advance Euclid, but uh, Adrian Beltre hit a single that scored Euclid. And then Jeremy Hermita hit a ground out. So it was 5-1. Then the Yankees scored again in the bottom of the second, thanks to a double by Mark Teixeira that scored Brett Gardner. So it was 6-1 at that point. In the top of the fourth, David Ortiz had a home run and made it 6-2 Yankees. J.D. Drew hit a home run in the top of the fifth because it was Phil Hughes. He liked giving up home runs. Even when he was doing well, he was (laughs) giving up home runs. I was at a game against the Braves, I want to say. I think it was 20, no, 2011. And I'm pretty sure he gave up three or four home runs. And it was like 95 degrees that day. And it was miserable. And I was sweating. And I was watching Phil Hughes giving up home runs left and right. And it wasn't fun. So J.D. Drew hit a home run. And this was a bad one because it was a three-run home run. (laughs) So the Red Sox cut it to 6-5 at that point. Now, in the bottom of the fifth... Dice K was still in it because he held the Yankees to six runs. And, you know, the Red Sox were probably like, all right, let's just keep him in here. So Marcus Timms hit a double that scored Cervelli. And at that point, that's when the Red Sox said, "Okay, let's take Dice K out. And Tim Wakefield came in. So the Yankees were up 7-5 at that point. Victor Martinez hit a home run off Boone Logan, who came in to to replace Phil Hughes in the top of the sixth. 7-6 Yankees at that point. So... One of those kind of crazy Yankee Red Sox games on a Monday night in the Bronx. I love doing this because I just love reminiscing about a lot of these players. The names are funny. It also doesn't feel like 2010 was 12 years ago. That's crazy to think about. 12 years ago. How is that possible? And how many of those guys don't play anymore? The majority of them don't play anymore. There's really no one left. (laughs) When you look at those lineups and you hear those names and the pitchers and everyone, there's really no one left. 12 years is a long time when you think about it. You know, it doesn't feel that fast. It doesn't feel like it really. These last, well, the last couple of years with the pandemic felt really long, but it's just, God, how was 2010, 12 years ago? That's crazy to me I don't understand anyway (laughs) before I get into a whole philosophical uh, discussion about time but online has you covered this season with more props odds and lines than ever before as football continues its march through the playoffs right to the big game big game is coming up this weekend I think I'm picking the Bengals. I kind of want the Bengals to win. BetOnline.net remains the best spot for all your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. And it's not just football. BetOnline has up-to-the-minute info on pro and college hoops, NFL, boxing, UFC, along with live real-time updates of current games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the new amazing offers for the 2022 season. That's still hard to say. BetOnline, where the game starts. It is, it's 2022. That just seems so futuristic, doesn't it? Anyway, let's get back into this. So we were at the top of the sixth. Victor Martinez hits a home run off Boone Logan. It's 7-6 Yankees. Now it's quiet until the top of the eighth. And then the unimaginable happens. The Yankees 
start the game off with that bottom of the first where they score five runs. And you're thinking, okay, they should win this game. The top of the eighth. Chanho Park is pitching. <laughs> that shows you that it's 2010. He replaced Boone Logan. Gives up a single to J.D. Drew. Then Kevin Euclid hits a home run. And then Victor Martinez goes back to back with Euclid, hits a home run. The Red Sox are up 9-7. I can remember watching this game and being so annoyed <laughs> by <laughs> what transpired <laughs> in that inning. They were up 5 nothing. Those are the most frustrating games to watch as a baseball fan. And any baseball fan can relate to this, not just Yankee fans. Every team has gone through something like this where you think the team is going to cruise to victory and then they slowly let the team back in and then the team pulls ahead. And that's what happened on this night. Oy vey. So, <laughs> bottom of the eighth is quiet. Bottom, nope, top of the ninth is quiet. And some of these pitching changes for the Yankees, let's, let's, let's go into this. So Chanho Park does that. Oh. And then let me adjust that. DeMarso, DeMarso, DeMaso Marte comes in. He replaces Chanho Park and he gets all three outs because there were no outs. Like I said, Drew hit a single, Euclid hit a home run, Martinez hit a home run. David Ortiz hit a ground out to third. Adrian Beltre hit a fly ball to left center. And then Jeremy Hermita hit a ground out to shortstop. So Daniel Bard comes in to replace Tim Wakefield. Daniel Bard is the one that gave up the back-to-back -back home runs uh, against Tex and Posada in that infamous Sunday night game in August of 2009. He gets Tim's to strike out swinging. Randy Wind hit a fly ball to left. Juan Miranda pinch hits for Ramiro Pena. He walks against Bard. And then Derek Jeter strikes out swinging. The top of the ninth... Marte replaces Juan Miranda pitch, <laughs> pitching and batting. What? Oh, no, he's pinch hitting, <laughs> pitching and batting ninth. Okay, I totally got confused just there. And then Alex Rodriguez moves from DH to third base, and the Yankees lose the DH. So Marte pitches against Darnell McDonald, Marco Scudero, just <laughs> Dustin Pedroia, and J.D. Drew. Fly ball, single, walk, ground out. Javier Vasquez comes in. Remember the second coming of Javi Vasquez? That was 2010. He gets Eucalyptus to strike out swinging. Thank goodness. Jonathan Papelbon comes in to replace Daniel Bard in the bottom of the ninth because he's the closer. Why wouldn't they? They're up two runs. Red Sox are about to steal a game from the Yankees. But then Brett Gardner starts things off with a double. Okay, makes things interesting. Mark Teixeira hits a fly ball to deep right center. Gardner makes it to third. Then A-Rod, on the first pitch he sees from Jonathan, Jonathan Papelbon, hits a home run into the bullpen. The Red Sox bullpen in left center. Ties the game. Robinson Cano hits a fly ball to deep center field. It was kind of exciting. And then it wasn't exciting. <laughs> Then Francisco Cervelli is hit by a pitch. People boo Papabon. How dare you hit Francisco Cervelli? And then Marcus Timms. On the first pitch he sees from Jonathan Papelbaum. Bomb? <laughs> Papelbon. Bon. Papelbon. 
I don't miss that guy at all. Marcus Timms, first pitch home run. Yankees win 11-9. And I just remember Michael Kay's call for the A-Rod home run. Going back Van Every at the track, at the wall. Yeah. And the Tim's home run was great. I remember his first home run, his first go around with the Yankees, June 10th, 2002. Yes, I remember the date. I told you I'm good with dates, usually. My brother was at that game. It was a week after we saw the Diamondbacks in L.A. against the Dodgers. And my brother spent nearly the entire time heckling the Diamondbacks bullpen. And then they get to Yankee Stadium a week later. And where is my brother sitting? Left field bleachers. And what is he doing? (laughs) Yeah, they looked (laughs) and were like, are you following us? Because they recognized him. They recognized him and they recognized he's not bad at it. He's good at it. He, He doesn't curse. He usually says things that are funny and gets the crowd around him to start laughing at people. When he's heckling, he's not one of those people that curses. I curse more than my brother. Um, But yeah, they were just like, oh my God, I can't believe you're following us. But my brother said to his friend, even, you know, Randy Johnson was pitching that game. And my brother said to his friend, if he throws a fastball, Tim's is hitting a home run because he's going to be sitting dead red. That's what happened. (laughs) And Tim's hit his first home run. June 10th, 2002. So yeah. And when that happened in 2010, I thought back to the home run in 2002. It's pretty cool. So, yeah, that was a fun. It's always fun to watch a walk-off. It's even better watching it against the Red Sox. I mean, come on. And especially Papelbon at that point. Seeing that happen was really a lot of fun. So, yeah, May 17th, 2010. And then, unfortunately, the next night, the momentum was lost. (laughs) And, uh... The Red Sox actually, how did they do that? They won 7-6. The Yankees scored a run in the bottom of the ninth, but they couldn't pull ahead and win. So, yeah, it was kind of, it was a two-game series, too. It wasn't longer than that. Um, I think the Yankees were going out to the West Coast after that. So, yeah, that's our Walk-Off Wednesday episode. I hope you enjoyed that flashback. I'm, You know, unfortunately, I can't show highlights on here because of copyright stuff but if I could oh that'd be so much fun (laughs) it'd be so much better (laughs) but anyway um like I said tomorrow's show is going to be recorded after Manfred makes his announcement whatever it is like I said the players have met the owners are meeting this week so I guess he's gonna sum up what happens in those meetings um so who knows Abby and I both don't know how we're going to react to what he's going to say because we have no idea what he's going to say, but could be a bad thing. Um, You know, we should be gearing up for spring training for next week, and that's not happening. People were talking about that on Twitter. I saw some of my fellow writers saying, you know, this is the time of year that people like to make fun of everyone because we're talking about spring training and how excited we are for spring training. And now that we know that spring training's not starting on time, it's kind of depressing. Um, one of my friends said that he would give anything for fuzzy cell phone video of someone swinging a bat through a fence. I agree. Let's, God, let's bring that back. I really don't want to deal with a season starting in May or June. Can we get some things going here, owners? 
again, I'm not blaming the players. They're trying to negotiate and the owners are not, not in good faith. They're not. So let's get this done, guys, please. That'd be really great. Thank you. So that's it for this episode of Locked On Yankees, which is part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'd like to remind you that you can listen to the show in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Odyssey, Spotify, Stitcher, or anywhere else you get your podcast. You can watch and subscribe to us on YouTube. And when you get into your car, you can tell your smart device to play podcast Locked On Bets. Now make your second listen, Locked On Bets, your daily one-stop shop for all your gambling needs. Locked On Bets is hosted by your boy Q with expert analysis and insight from Lee Sterling. One more thing, if you could be so kind, please rate the podcast and spread the word about this podcast to your fellow Yankee fans. We would really appreciate it. Enjoy your Wednesday. And again, we will talk to you tomorrow. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.